I want to start off with one quick announcement. Uh, today at 3.30, uh, we're going to be doing a traveling worship thing again for the first time in a while. So if you would like to come and participate with that, we're going to be uh, going to Max and Betty Ray Coffee's uh, house as long as I haven't been able to get a hold of them yet. I'm going to drive over there after church, but we should be able to go over there and, and worship with them. So, you know, just uh, if you want to come and participate in that, you're more than welcome to. I really want to encourage all the the youth or their families, or maybe just, you don't have to be youth, you can be old, it'll be all right. Um, anyway, uh, so this is a topic I've wanted to talk about for a very long time, uh, a real long time, and I've never, never been able to just say, well, this is, this is what Fearing God is uh, been a difficult subject for me and something that I've struggled with because, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, there's, there's fear and there's hope and, and, and there's mercy and there's trembling. And how those two things fit together has really blown my mind for a long time. Right? I've sat there thinking about those things and, and I want to kind of talk about this morning, that's kind of my goal. And, and you know, as we, as we really get started... Asking you this simple question, do you fear God? Do I fear God? See, the fact of the matter is, I'm comfortable. Maybe I've been treating worship like it's... Maybe I've been treating worship like it's a job. Uh, see, maybe I've gotten used to the newness of 14th and Main and kind of settled in. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it is, I know that my time spent in this sanctuary has become dishonoring to the God who created the moon and the stars and calls them by name. I have a feeling that we, maybe just me, but we allow feelings of unsatisfaction or distraction to occupy our minds and hearts while we worship the God who holds life in His hands. I sit in this auditorium and we we sing songs and we sing uh, number 23. uh, I, I can't think of the words to it. But anyway, we sing songs about the greatness and glory and majesty of God and we, we come together in prayer and we uh, we worship God together and we, we seek Him and we draw near to Him this morning. And for some reason, I'm distant. For some reason, I'm distracted. I'm distracted by what I'm going to eat. I'm distracted by whether or not I put the right slides on the PowerPoint. I'm distracted by whether or not... People are listening to the sermon, whether they think it's good or not. I get distracted by so many different things. Right? And, and the fact of the matter is, if I were to walk into this room and God were actually here in all of His glory and splendor, I wouldn't be able to do anything else, let alone be distracted. Right? I wouldn't come in here into the presence of God and say, man, I wonder what I'm having for lunch. I wouldn't be able to come into here and say, man... I wonder who's going to come to 3.30 worship. That would, that would not be an option because I would be trembling in the presence of God. 
I hope that we're not like that. Uh, we have a deep need to fear God, and it is a fundamental aspect of the Christian life. So I want to show you real quick. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fool despised wisdom and destructions. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 27. The fear of the Lord prolongs life. Right? Fearing God gives you a longer life. The days of the wicked are shorter. Right? If you fear God, you'll live longer according to the Bible. Proverbs 14 and verse 27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, that one may turn away from the snares of death. Right? The fear of the Lord is a way into life that, that there's no other access into. And then Proverbs verse 15, chapter 15 and verse 16, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than a lot with no fear of the Lord. Right? So the fearing God brings us contentment. Right? It allows us to be satisfied with what we have because we fear God. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 6, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. It's the fear of the Lord that enables us to turn away from doing unrighteousness. It, it enables us to leave behind sinful living. Psalm chapter 5 and verse 7 says, But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you. Right? I come and I worship you, God, because I'm terrified. Because I tremble down to my very socks of your greatness and glory. That's why I come and worship you. Psalm 25 and verse 12. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. If you fear God, God's going to give you guidance in life. He's going to allow you to walk in righteousness in the way that God has planned for you. Again, Psalm 111 and verse 5, He provides food for those who fear Him. He provides for us who fear God. Over and over and over again, He's going to provide for those who fear God. He remembers His covenant forever. He's faithful to those who fear Him. Psalm 147 and verse 11, this is the last one, we just did 10. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him. In those who hope in his steadfast love. That statement right there, this verse, I think opens up a paradox. Fear God and hope in his steadfast love. I see for me, it seems to be like it should be one or the other. I should either fear God or I should hope in God. Which one is it? And I asked the youth class today, and they said, well, it's both, Owen, dummy. <laughs> Fear God and hope in God at the same time. See, we've seen and know the glories and blessings that come with fearing God. But what does it mean to fear Him? 
How can I fear God when it's in His steadfast love that I hope? It's, it's His very truths, it's His very love that give me the strength to go about my day. How do you want me to tremble from you, God, whenever you've given your Son to die on the cross for my sins that I may live in oneness with you, God? Why do you tell me to fear you if it's in your steadfast love you want me to hope? See, it's been one of the biggest questions for me. Fear and love and fear and hope do not fit naturally together. They just don't. No one's like, no one is, if you've said this before, good for you, but I don't think anyone said, and I'm just going to pick on Kyle for a second, right? Let's, Let's say I'm terrified of Kyle. If I was terrified of Kyle, I would never say, Kyle, let's be best friends. Right? That doesn't make sense. No one would say, that's a good idea. If he has the power to destroy me, why would I want to be his friend? See, I've heard this, uh, this fear God example, kind of like a father and a son. A father cares for his sons and, 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 and mentors him and helps him to grow up in the right way. But as we come to the end of a son fears his father, right? He knows that if he does wrong, he will be punished. And that's a great analogy, and it works a little bit. But the problem with it is, I don't care how powerful you are as a father, God has more power, right? And if you wrong God, it's not a spanking that you get. It's destruction and death and separation from him. Right? They're, they're not equal. Fearing God is, is way worse. Or God is way more powerful than any earthly father. Father, He's way more capable of destruction than any earthly father. So, uh, for a second, I want to jump over to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 1. Oh. That's what we just went through. Anyway. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1 says, after, this is the ESV by the way. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah, and I will offer and offer him there as a burnt offering. No one, one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood to be burnt to, he cut the wood for the burnt offering and offered and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said, lifted up his eyes and saw, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back to you again. Just stopping right here for a minute. God tells Abraham, 
Here's what I want you to do, Abraham. I know, I know you've been waiting on this son for a long time and all, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick up Isaac. I want you to take some wood, and I want you to take some fire, and I want you to build an altar on a mountain, and I want you to go kill your son. I want you to go slaughter him, as it says later in the ESV. Any volunteers? No. No. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good, right, if you're, if you're asking me. Uh, I don't think that I would sign up for this, right? This is, this is not my idea of fun. Abraham doesn't bat an eye. He says, yes, Lord, he gathers up the supplies. He puts Isaac on a donkey, and they head out for the mountain. Right? Why in the world would, I, would Abraham decide to do something like this? What is it, what is it that God, what is it that Abraham's going to get out of this? What is it that's so good about what God is, or what the promises that God has given Abraham, that, that this situation would arise? Abraham fears, Abraham knows that the fear of God, he fears God. He knows that if disobedience to God, the destruction that comes from disobedience to God is far worse than the loss of his son. Right? He sits there and he's, he's afraid of what will happen if he doesn't obey. Right? He knows, he knows that God is all-powerful and he obeys because he knows God is all-powerful. Not because he wants to do it. Not because he enjoys sacrificing his son, but because he trembles at the sight or thought of disobeying God. Verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said, To his father Abraham, my father. And he said, Here I am, son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. And when they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. See, then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. See, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, don't lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Right now, now I know that you tremble in his presence. Right now, I, now I know that you fear him more than anything else. Right? You value, you're so terrified of God that being on the wrong side of God is, is, worth your son's, is not worth your son's life. You would rather your son be gone than be separated from God. Because no destruction comes from that. But I want to show something. And 
I kind of already passed it a little bit, but if you jump up a little bit in chapter 22, and I can't go back. I probably could, but we're not going to. Verse 22, in verse 4, says, On the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship. And we will come back again. Who's coming back? Just Abraham? Abraham knows what he's fixing to go do. He knows he's fixing to go slaughter his son, but he looks at his son and he says, we're coming back to you. You can look over in Hebrews 11 and verse 17, and it says, by faith Abraham believed that God was capable of raising Isaac from the dead. Right, so, so he fears God enough to go and kill his son, but he trusts in the promises of God so much that he's, he knows God is going to provide for him. He knows God is going to give life to him. He sees it, and he knows that God is going to be the provider. It is the fear of God that allows Abraham to have faith. He knew that when God tells you what to do, you better do it. See, while the fear of God brings blessings from God, right, and is the way through and to Christ, if there is no fear of God, right, if there's no fear of God in your life, if there's no fear of God in your worship, then the opposite is true. There's only death and destruction away from the fear of the Lord. There's only death and destruction away from God. Right? So we fear God not because we're in Christ, not because we're in God, but because we're terrified of what would happen if we weren't with Christ. I fear God because if I leave God, right, I fear God because if I even were to step out of the lines, He has every right to kill me. He has every right to bring an end to my life because He holds my life in His hands. And see, I come into worship and I can't even focus. Right? I, I get so distracted in here over, over simple little things. I get distracted about lunch whenever the God of all heavens and earth and all glory and all majesty, we can, we can go through and I can read you the stories about uh, God creating the world in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, about God pretty much destroying Egypt with ten plagues, about God having the power to walk through the Red Sea to send them through on dry land. We can sit here and we could talk about uh, His majesty in Isaiah chapter 6 and Revelation chapter 4 and, and everything that's great about God and His power and His majesty. Right? We know those stories. We know that He's powerful and that He destroys the wicked. We should tremble in those things. But I look at Abraham and I look at that story, this story. I know that you fear me because you obey me. Right? You don't fear me because you fear me. You fear me because you know that there's life in the fear of me. I want you to uh, turn to Second Corinthians chapter seven. I'll advance the slide a little bit. 
2 uh, Corinthians chapter, chapter 7 and verse 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and of spirit, bringing holiness to completion. So we're going to bring holiness to completion. We're going to be made like God. We're going to be made like Jesus Christ. And he says, how do we do that? What is the avenue through which we do that? It's not... It's not on your own power. It's not on our abilities or anything else. It's simply because we fear God, we flee from evil. Because we fear God, because we fear being separated from God, we draw near to Him. Over and over and over again, we just draw near to Him. If you look down in verse 15 of chapter 7, it says, And His affection for you is even greater, as He remembers the obedience of you all. Right. So He remembers them being obedient, how you received him with fear and trembling. Were they scared of this guy? No. See, they were terrified of not being hospitable to him. Of being the opposite of what God wants. It, it, it made them tremble. If you jump over to chapter Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my present presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation. Work out your salvation. And how are we going to do that? How are we going to work out this salvation? With fear and trembling. Why, are we, why do we tremble and why do we fear? Because it's God who works in you. Right? Because it's God who's, who's sculpting you and changing you to make you more like Him. We should tremble at the fact that the God who created the stars is making me like Him. That the God who, who, who knows the number of hairs on my head, who knows my sin and my iniquity, has drawn me close to Him, and He said, I'm going to make you like me because I love you. That's it. I'm going to make you like me because you are important to me. I tremble at the fact that God values me that much. I tremble at the, at the thought of being separated from Him. Fearing God means that God is so holy and so powerful and so awesome that he would not, that we, that me, that, that I or you would not dare run away from him. Fearing God is not a requirement of the law. It's not something that we have to do in order to get heaven, but it is the very way we enter into Jesus Christ. It's the very way we enter into covenant with him. Through fearing God. It's how we come to Christ. We come trembling because we know we're approaching a God who holds the power of life in His hands and there is only destruction from Him. I pray we tremble in His presence that He would work in us to bring our holiness to completion. 
See, I know, I know that that might not have been the easiest to follow or the clearest sermon I've ever preached. But what I want you to take away from today is the fact that we should tremble at the power and might of God to destroy. We should tremble in awe and fear as we approach God today that He would allow us to draw near to Him through Christ. See, worship, worship that's spent like this, worship that's spent in the fear of God does not allow for mediocrity. Worship that's spent like this doesn't allow for us to be distracted. Worship that trembles in the presence of God doesn't uh, it's not annoyed because things aren't going your way in worship. When, when worship is distracted, when worship is, is not focused, when worship is not done in fear, it shows and tells God that there is no fear of Him in us. When I, when, I think, when I think my food after this worship service is more important, when I think going fishing later is more important, it shows and tells God that I do not fear Him. The greatness of God rouses fear within us. But His goodness and steadfast love encourage us to draw near to Him. To fear Him and want nothing more than to draw near to Him. It's the paradox of faith. Look, I pray this morning, and I letting, we're done early. It's only 26 minutes. I pray this morning That as we sit here in the throne room of God, that as we worship Him today, that we would tremble at the fact He's allowed us in this morning. At the fact that He's given us entrance into Christ. You know, to continue to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling because God is working in us. To bring holiness to completion in the fear of of the Lord. There's blessings more than what I showed you earlier when we fear God. Let's live and worship in this reverence and awe and fear of the power and mercy and everything else about God. So, if you are separated from God this morning, and you tremble in your seats, uh, you can come forward as we stand and as we sing.